Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. I am Jennifer Justice. Today, we have on Sally Krawcheck. She is the CEO and founder of Elevest. Hi, Sally. Hey, Jennifer. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? Good. Good. No complaints. So Sally has a very amazing career background in finance. If you do not know her, you're going to hear all about it right now. But she has graced covers of magazines. She has started companies. She's been an industry titan and all of the things above. And also, you know, I've always been a fangirl of her. So I'm really excited to have you on. And I want to start by explaining what Elevest is, and then we're going to get more back into your your background. Well, first of all, I'm a fangirl of Jennifer Justice's as well. So <laughs> we both got that in common. Uh, so Elevest. Elevest is the invest tech and wealth management company uh, built by women for women, funded by, founded by, investing in, investing through women. So we take, we take our women pretty seriously. Yeah, apparently, um, yeah. With the mission, uh, which I think we'll agree is an important one, a mission to get more money in the hands of women, um, helping them with their investing and giving them financial guidance from that first dollar they're ready to invest through to multiple tens of millions of dollars. And that first dollar that you're ready to invest, like who are those women? How do you get them to understand why it's so important to invest? Well, we've got to change culture to recognize that money, wanting money is not being unattractive or unfeminine or greedy or shrewish or ugly or any of those things that investing is not difficult, um, is not confusing, is not as dangerous as over the long term Mm -hmm. um, as we might have been led to believe. We as women receive negative messages around money almost from birth. I mean, even allowance, there's a gender allowance gap um, through to women's magazines, I'm putting that in quotes, you know, women's websites still talk about how hard money is and how difficult. And Jennifer, blame us. Don't buy the latte. Don't get the facial. Don't, you know, if, you know, you're, you spend thrift, you carry Bradshaw with your too many shoes. When it's actually, well, no, it's, we make 80 cents to a white man's dollar. So it's like literally isn't our fault. So there's a lot of education on the LFS website, content, on social about these lies we're told about money and about, frankly, how straightforward it is to invest and how important it is for us to invest. Invest versus savings, right? I've heard you talk about this. Oh my gosh. Well, (laughs) savings, you're moving backwards every day because the interest rates and bank accounts typically don't keep up with inflation. Mm -hmm. Investing comes with risk for sure. But historically, if you were investing over a 10 or 15 year period, 
you, the chances of you earning a positive return were something like 98 and 99%. Yeah. Uh, historically. It doesn't mean the future will be, you know, the same as the past, but historically, we, if you've been investing for the long term, it tended to not be as risky um, as what we were built to believe. And then you, you move from there. Why is it important? Well, do you like leaving a relationship that no longer works for you? Whether that's a domestic relationship, whether that's a business relationship, do you like being able to start the business you want to start? Do you like relieving the stress of worry about money? You know, they say money doesn't buy happiness. They're completely wrong. And it is in fact, scientifically proven that money does indeed buy happiness and freedom and independence and strength and all the good things. Um, and so, you know, again, busting those myths is important. Well, also because not having money is extremely inconvenient and being inconvenient oh. and stressed is like, you know, we grew up with no money in my house and it was like a constant source of stress. It's all we can talk about. So Same. it would be a luxury to talk about myself, you know? Same. Or, yeah. It's the only thing my parents fought about and they fought about it with energy. It was tough, but to go dark, there is no domestic abuse without financial abuse. Because money in a capitalist society is power, mm -hmm. you know, you see that power at the micro level within the household, but Jennifer, you see at the macro level, is it any surprise that women have 30 cents of wealth for every white man's dollar and women give about 30 cents of political donations for every dollar that men are giving, which, you know, look at where we are, look at where yeah. we are. Would we be in a different place if women had more money and were donating more politically? I think the answer is yes. Well, I know the answer is yes. And the only way to prove it's wrong, by the way, is when we have that and uh, <laughs> see what we do with it. But that's an interesting point that you brought up is that 30 cents in the wealth gap. And not only that, how are we getting that money? Most of it is from divorcing somebody who had power over you. Mm. You know what well, I mean? It can be, but divorce is tough because typically um, a woman does get the money but her standard of living versus when she's married goes down by like a double digit percent, whereas his right. goes up. So, you know, you, there, there, it's a double edged sword there for sure. Right. But, you know, in particular, the women that we know that are the wealthiest in the United States right now, got yeah. it from the doors, you know? And so that like ups our wealth gap a little bit across, you know, an average, but like, ultimately we're not making the same money. We're not investing enough to create real wealth for ourselves as a gender. It was the big miss of the 70s uh, feminist movement. Right. That it was not only, you know, ignored, it was, you know, sort of like, ugh, you know, that that's not what this is about. Um, and that wealth gap has just opened up since then, which means the power gap has, has opened up since then. So many big concepts and things that I talk about all the time. It's so true. You know, it's just like this whole abuse of power. I'm also on the board of um, Free From, which is a domestic abuse, um, you know, survivor organization. And one of the things they do is try to get restitution and they try to get, you know, actual damages from, you know, the men that have financially abused them because of the number one reason they don't leave or come back is, is financial reasons. Absolutely. And one of the things that they, their abusers usually do is ruin their credit. So they can't get anything. They can't get a car. They can't get an apartment. They can't get anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you're taking on these women in a very like initial, like, you know, their first $50 in investing yeah. and like helping them see how they can make this money. Um, and it's all on a digital platform, right? 
Well, it's yes and no. So we are there for her through her um, professional and money and personal journeys. So, you know, the first step that she can come in is when she's ready to invest. And we also offer financial guidance for when she's gotten the raise and what, how do I rebudget that? Or she's getting married and how do my partner and I work this through? And financial advisors um, through whom we offer private wealth services. So we have women and our allies coming in at every stage of their financial journey. And, so, you know, the needs can be different. Oh, I have a concentrated stock position, something you know a lot about, right? Well, how do I manage that? And how do I think about that? Or I have a, you know, need some financial guidance around budgeting, but it's every step along the way. We, what we'd love to be over time is a place where she comes when she's ready to invest and get some financial guidance and stays through to the course of her life. And we do have clients today who are in their 90s, et cetera. So um, we're across the spec, really the age and wealth spectrum. And so when you're doing that, I know that you spend a lot of time on the kind of like companies and funds that you invest in, right? Yeah, I, I love that. So more than 50% of our assets, which are now $1.8 billion, are invested for positive impact. And I don't have to tell you, there's been political blowback about impact investing or ESG, environmental, social, and governance investing. We don't believe that. We do not believe that it is necessary to give up positive impact in order to earn a financial return. Not every year, but over time. And so in our digital offering, we offer ETFs that invest, say, in women and community building. For our private wealth clients, as they become more sophisticated, we can offer women-run venture capital funds. We can offer femtech funds, which are investing in women's health. We can offer real estate funds that fix up workforce housing in a sustainable way, rented to women in transition. I could go on and on. Yeah. But we're seeing real energy, Jennifer, for women looking to invest in other women with sort of an intuitive recognition that most of us are what we call gender lens investors investing in a gender. We're just 98% invested in men. And men are amazing, of course. Um, that, you know, the other tenet of investing is diversification. And maybe we want to diversify away from the men a little bit and, you know, pick up some investments in, in women. Well, yeah, because then that feeds the whole economy, right? Oh, it, it, as we say, not as we say at all of us, like every day, 3,700 times a day, nothing bad happens when women has, have more money. Nothing. That's nothing. so true. Nothing. So true. I know. Right? I seriously doubt we would get in our private planes to go to a uh, private island to have sex with underage boys. But, you know, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Neither would we um, put together phallic-shaped rockets that ship us into outer space. We would True. Know. You know who, and you know who wasn't on the Titan? Women. No women yeah. on that. That's so true. Good point. <laughs> um, all right. We're going to talk a little bit more about LMS later, but I want to get into how you got here. You already referenced the fact that your parents um, fought with energy about, you know, money. And, you know, obviously it wasn't something in your background, right? So how did you, how did you get here? How did you, what was your background? Sort of because I could, you know, yeah. I went to the University of North Carolina out of South Carolina and Wall Street was the Silicon Valley of the late 80s. And so I was very scared to move to New York. It seemed very dark and dangerous. So I moved to New York and it was pretty horrible. Wall Street was a very 80s, everything over the top, um, lots of screaming, lots of yelling, lots of staying up all 
night and working on decks and lots of running for airplanes, uh, lots of trying to get on the right team and, you know, all the things. It was awful. But it was, uh, I had I had to stay. I never had the choice of, you know what, I don't like this. I'm going to leave. Why? Because I didn't have any money mm-hmm. and because I had a lease in New York that lasted for 12 months and somebody had to pay it. And that person was me. And so I persevered. Um, And finally, after years, found my right spot on Wall Street, which was in equity research. We don't have to go into it. Um, And then into wealth management. So started from jobs in investment banking that um, I wouldn't want my dog to do to finding the right place in an interesting analytical challenging, you know, driven, adrenaline inducing, you know, part of, of the industry. And what, how long were you there? Like what, like what was that transition period? So I think, you know, it's sort of think of investment banking being miserable, not knowing where to go is my twenties. Being a research analyst, a director of research, really finding my groove, getting to be top of of the industry was my thirties. And then, you know, these dates don't align completely, but then being brought to run Smith Barney, Chief Financial Officer Citigroup, Merrill Lynch was my 40s. And then my entrepreneur phase, founding Ellevest is my 50s. It doesn't quite work out as neatly as I said, Uh, but there's been a theme to every decade um, and really different career challenges and, and opportunities. Well, I mean, I've, I've interviewed enough women on this to know that, like, you know, when you have that corporate kind of gig, right, then you're like, wait a minute. And everything is, you know, coming to you. I mean, I had my own experience. You know, you have like three assistants and like, you know, they're oh. telling you when to go to lunch and like, oh. you the know, car and the driver, like, the warm. Yeah, exactly. The exactly. They yeah, all the things. All and the then thing. you become an entrepreneur and you're like, no, not anymore. Like, you oh. know. Yeah, it's a different thing. And I went deep. Um, I loved the big companies I worked at for the most part, not every minute, every day. Um, And I I loved the people I was working with. But I did get booted out twice um, over business disagreements in both cases, me really trying to do the right thing for clients. And so I sort of sat back and, and said, I could do that again and have the comfy job. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what's important to me? And it's totally fair if it is. It's totally fair yeah. if the title and you know the car, if that's what's important. Um, what the conclusion that I came to about the time I was turning 50 is what was important to me is impact. And that, you know, I had an offer to go to a hedge fund, which play, you know, paid plenty of money. And I thought, what's the impact of that? Mm-hmm. Like really, what positive will I be leaving on this earth if I work at this hedge fund? you know, for the next couple of decades. But, you know, as I sort of honed it down, given the good fortune I've had and the privilege I've had to have the career I had and build the knowledge I did and in the rooms that I was, and then to see this gender investing gap, which cost some women more than the gender pay gap and having a hypothesis, you know, about how to solve it and the ability to, you know, not comfortably, but to go out and raise venture money and put together the team and, build a product and build a brand and build a community. It seemed like a lot of work, but boy, I see this issue and I have the ability to do it. I may fail completely, but if I don't, mm-hmm. that doesn't seem right. You know, you you have to, to, you know, give back in some way or try to leave a mark. And so, yeah, I, I think I'm the only, I'm pretty sure I'm the only financial exec of my generation who has worked in those C-suite jobs and then raised the amount of venture capital. 
raising any amount of venture capital that I have, you know, right. for punishment for sure. Well, yeah, you're doing, you know, you were, you were having those same revelations as like making money for men by day and trying to overthrow the patriarchy at night and so, like, <laughs> putting those two together, you know, Except I wasn't trying to overthrow the patriarchy. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I thought for a long time, I thought everything's fine. You know, other women just need, look, I did it. If I can do it. Right. I just work harder, everybody. Like, work Is that harder. what you thought? Like, maybe yeah. you should work harder? Yeah. Yeah. I work tremendously hard, to be fair. And I, the narrative in my mind, and I like the people that I worked with a lot. Mm-hmm. And so the narrative in my mind was a little bit of luck and a lot of hard work. And you, too, can become chief financial officer of Citigroup. Right. At the same time, my sort of squad of business school friends, women, I think there were about 10 of them everyone was falling to the wayside. Um, and it was only really, and they worked hard and they were smarter than me and better than me and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it was only when I sort of took the career break and stepped back and said, okay, what really happened that you say, well, she, you know, she was great at her job, never got promoted. She, you know, had to go home because the childcare really fell on her. She, this and this, and then you're like, oh, mm. It's the patriarchy. <laughs> oh, I'm embarrassed that it took me so long, but it did. <laughs> no, I kind of feel the same with my career. I mean, I was like representing women, you know, and trying to get them more money. And I would see how it was held back. But I could also see, you know, I think the patriarchy is a big part of it. But it's it's also us not doing the things that we're trying to solve for. It's like negotiate for ourselves, invest in ourselves. And invest but again, in it's the patriarchy because yeah. we these messages that if you if you negotiate too hard you're a bitch yeah you know, and if you're you want money you're a shrew yeah I mean it's it's all internalized at, yeah. the, at yeah. that point. there's the external and the internal for sure yeah. for sure yeah okay so then you took this point and you like you sat back and you're like okay I need to go do this yeah and then you had to go raise money which you've never done before right no. And tell us about that, because you would think that you're Sally Krawcheck, you know, all these billionaires and all these really rich yeah. people. Yeah. So it was super well, easy, right? Yes. Well, yes and no. So to be honest, the first round was oh. the, my co-founder who had done this before said it was the easiest round he ever raised. Oh. Uh, that it was 10 million bucks. It was on a PowerPoint. And I went to people who I'd worked with and knew. And so the response, you know, they were writing smaller checks and the response I got um, was, well, we we know there we see there's an issue from the numbers. Morningstar, our seed investor, said, we've tried to solve this. We've never been able to. We're not sure if there is a solution, but we know you. And if there is, we think you've got the best chance of, you know, figuring it out. So that wasn't so bad. Um, The Series A wasn't so bad, led by the great folks over at Rethink Impact, saw the vision, believe the vision, you know, we're looking at, you know, investing alongside others. And they're like, we're going to leave. So those were, and I'm like, all right, all right, we got this. Then I hit series B. Um, and I talk about the series B cliff, which is when women, you know, can raise those first rounds and often can raise them from other women, but then get to series B where there are very few women writing big checks mm-hmm. and Jennifer in FinTech there are very, 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 I could keep going, few women writing big checks. Mm-hmm. And what we saw, the results were good. We were growing. 
you know, and I'm, we were growing like this, I'm putting my hand at a, a nice angle. Mm-hmm. We weren't crypto, which at the time was growing like this. And right. so way people like, oh, it must be easy to raise your in fintech. It actually was harder to right. raise because everybody was over on one side of the boat, flipping the boat over. A lot of those companies are now out of business. Mm-hmm. And we, we got strategic interest. We were getting the round slowly, slowly done, but you could feel like, uh, you know, the, you know, it just, I mean, I always talk about if women raise 2% of venture dollars, and by the way, in fintech, it's one in 10,000, but that means 50 times more meetings. The 2% means 50 times more meetings, mm-hmm. 50 times more models sent out, 50 times more decks, 50 times more questions, 50 times more stupid questions, but yeah. you know, 50 times more time. And so what I yeah. could feel is we're making progress, but your existing investor like, whoa, what's taking so long and what's going on? And, you know, and I kept, I'm like, I know there's a way. I know there's a way. And we ended up having women, a series of wealthy women, not billionaire women, but wealthy women invest some 700, 650, mm-hmm. 700 women and other underrepresented investors came together in special purpose vehicles and raised our round for us. Right. Uh, so we, we found a way. So the answer to your question is the last round was really painful. Silicon Valley, Sand Hill Road was not buying where I could get a meeting but wanted hyper growth and the women came and saved us. Mm-hmm. Really unbelievable. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So can you can invest in or invest with. <laughs> That's the funded by founded by the whole thing. But it, you know, and you could feel the gender and the age issue come up. I was talking to some, the wife of a, who's a friend of mine of a big venture capitalist. You know, we were talking, she said, I'll bet they didn't fund you. I'm like, nope, they did not. And I was telling the story about you walk in and, and they were they were comparing our numbers to others. Yeah. And our numbers were, you know, the folks who you you might compare us to, our numbers were better. And they still said no, because they said they're too much better. They're too much better. Yeah, that makes sense. To collapse. And I'm like, that is sexism and ageism in, you know, I'm watching it happen because yeah. you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Right. I mean, there's nothing you can do, right? It's a woman, right? Just well, how about that recent research that women are too young and women are too old and there's no right age yeah. unless you're a man? Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. I love that meme. That was an amazing one. Perfect age is a man. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, 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 it makes perfect sense. All right. So what year was that when you were raising the Series B? When did that happen? So that was, it's all a blur now. Where are we? Summer. It was two years ago to a year and three quarters ago. Yeah, yeah. Right. One 2022. In fact, we raised it in such a way I like to say if I'd been a cat and they'd been slamming the door, my tail would have gotten, you know, the right to the end of my tail right, right. Gotten the door. It was when the VC markets, you know, slammed shut. Right, right. All right. So you're well on your way. LFS is growing, right? Yeah. And so what what are you finding like, you know, like data, et cetera? you know, in these years of having Elevest, are more women joining? Do they understand or this, you know, are you finding them? Look, the challenge is, you know, we can, can, we can talk to them about the importance of investing. What is hard to do is to communicate the urgency and that every dollar historically invested in your twenties is worth more than a dollar in your thirties, your forties, your fifties, your sixties, because of the not very intuitive power of compounding where, you know, your money 
first earns returns just on your initial investment, but then earns the returns on the initial investment plus the returns, and then the returns plus the returns, and the returns, and, the returns, and then there's a whole snowball effect. So that's, I, I don't know that we've ever really gotten that figured out. You know, I want to tell folks if you, the analogy I sometimes use is if, you know, you invest over the course of your lifetime, you know, when you look back, you could have lost, you know, $100 a day by not investing. And if your purse had a hole in it and $100 fell out, you know, what would you do? Would you mm-hmm. get that purse fixed tomorrow or would you wait weeks and weeks and weeks, which is right. what people do? Yeah. So that's our challenge. We find when women do invest, they're better at it than men. And it's what the research has told us for forever. But we see it in action where um, in the markets of the past year, our friends who are men were more likely to panic. Um, They tend to check their accounts more often, which tends to give, you know, mean they do something more often, which tends to mean they, you know, make a mistake more often or trade more often. And women have just stayed the course. The significant majority of the women um, with Elevest have recurring deposits and they just keep them on. Yeah. That means they're buying, you know, into a diversified investment portfolio, even if they might be freaking out. Yeah. They just keep doing it. And that's the smart way to do it is not invest on your emotions, but to invest, you know, steadily and, and through a sense of panic sometimes. I find that like, so my kids have a little account through Greenlight, right? That has this MasterCard that they have and, you know, they have a couple hundred dollars in it, but what, you know, I wanted them to, you know, learn about in particular, my daughter and my son at the same time. What I find is when they first started investing, everything was going down, right? So they can understand like when they were making and to leave it in to make more. But what people get freaked out is when things all go down, you know? And so it's like, well, how do you make that back up? And when do you actually sell it when it goes down versus like, wait, you know, those are the kinds of things that also I find very confusing to this day in general, you know? Right. Well, the answer is you should not be investing in the stock market unless you can do it for the long term. If yeah. it's something where, hey, I, I want to buy a house in six months or a year even, don't. Just don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't. But if you invest for the long term, then the fact that the market is down today and it could go down more and it could go down even more. Mm-hmm. Historically, over 10 to 15 to 20 years, you, you've made that up. Yeah. Again, the future can be different from past and past returns are no guarantee of future. All the things, all the things. Uh, but historically, the best, even though it's gone down, it could go down more. You don't know. I mean, the other thing I'll say, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know. And the market is an aggregation of the best thinking of professionals and amateurs, uh, but professionals who do this full time, Jennifer, that is all they do. And they've done it for decades and they went to school and they do it all day, every day. And for somehow your kid or you to think, hmm, I know, gone down and it might go down more. Let me trade. Like you don't know. Yeah. By the way, neither do the people who professionally active manage, you know, the percent of those who consistently outperform on a five year basis, something like 0.1% or 0.0. I mean, some ridiculously small number. Yeah. But it's so hard. Because what you want to do, what we're taught to do is more effort equals more return, mm-hmm. right? More expensive equals better. And so there, and plus there's a lot of signals for us that you need to spend a lot of time on this. There's like CNBC and there's Bloomberg and there's Fox business and there's Barron's and there's business week and there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there. And so you're like, 
there is volumes of information that I should be consuming and I should spend a lot of time on. And you know what? It hadn't helped. It's hurt. It's hurt. What's worked is a diversified investment portfolio, you know, built carefully as we do at LFS based on what your goals are, when you want to achieve your goals, you know, your age, the area of the country, your, therefore we can build a wealth forecast for you, your gender, mm-hmm. gender matters, gender matters. Why, why does gender matter? Gender matters because we women earn less, salary peaks sooner, take more career breaks and live longer. And that longer. matters. That yeah. matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So offer all of those reasons. And no, so talk about LFS, like, you know, how you like sign up, like what's the actual... Well, it depends on what what you're looking for. If you um, are looking for digital investing, go over to the website, LFS.com, get started. And if you can make it take 15 minutes, I will give you a a gold star. Um, (laughs) Pretty straightforward. You have to link bank accounts and and give information, et cetera, in order to get the money in. But it's pretty straightforward. If you're looking for a financial advisor um, or financial guidance, you can sign up for that and and someone will reach out and, and contact you as well but pretty pretty straightforward or or start if you want start to follow us on instagram you can start to follow me on linkedin you know sign up for the newsletter there you know you can take some baby steps if you're not ready but you should take the big step anyway and when they come on how do they know what they're investing in what are they like we do that for you you know we're not a place that you know go trade um and figure it out yeah instead for on the digital side, we invest in ETFs, exchange traded funds, which are mutual fund like entities, 22 of them. And then we have a that's a core portfolio. We have an impact portfolio, which adds the positive impact. Mm-hmm. We do it for you. That's what you pay us for to build that investment portfolio, to rebalance it when it's necessary, to shift it as necessary. Um, then as you become wealthier and supposedly more sophisticated, with a financial advisor, you can then begin to invest in things as we talked about before, the private investments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, which are more eclectic and where you can have more direct impact. Right, right. So along this journey that you had now as an entrepreneur, like what do you think the things that you did right were that like really helped you? I don't know. I never think about them at all. <laughs> like I can you just go. It's like I'm just gonna go. Right? I just, you know, doing it Um, and, you know, the, all the trite stuff, failing fast. You know, we had a debit card offering Mm -hmm. at LFS and I'll tell you, we, we, boy, did we make a mistake. We really didn't listen to our community. We said, do you want a debit card? And they're like, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, I mean, women don't want to hurt your feelings. So yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Why not? And we just brought it out and people like, yeah, um, no, I'm, I've got a debit. It wasn't a pain point for her, but we failed quickly and brought it back. Um, We did the same thing. We had career coaching, uh, which did well for a bit, but then I think, you know, just ran out of steam. I think the folks who were looking for it, looked for it and we we weren't really, so we pulled back on that as well. So I think we fail. I think the idea, the original idea, the recognition of the opportunity was nobody else saw it the way we did. Everybody who did framed it as a marketing problem. We need, here's our offer. We need to change women, mm-hmm. uh, convince them. And we said, we're going to build a whole new product. Again, the algorithm based on gender, the impact investing, and then a thousand other differences in the onboarding that you wouldn't notice, but make it feel more seamless. Whereas 
at one of the quote unquote competitors, it feels, you know, like, ah, I have to stop. I have to figure out what this word means. I have to learn. So um, I think we saw the opportunity. We saw the problem. We framed the problem correctly and we built to the problem as opposed to throwing mud against a wall. Yeah. Um, and that's where we failed, we just failed quickly. So that's, I mean, that, you just brought up something. It's like, you know, what does this word mean? You know what I mean? And it's like, there's so many, um, you know, acronyms, et cetera, in there. To have. I've, I've told you my story about dry powder, right? Where I like started the justice department because all like I was on this call and everybody kept talking about dry powder. I was like, what the hell is dry powder? <laughs> and I happened to like be virtual, even though it was, you know, pre-COVID. And I'm looking it up. I was like, what? Why is it even called dry powder? It's like extra money. Like, why is it called that? This is you know. the gender difference. So everybody thinks the gender difference is women are risk averse, therefore they don't invest. The real gender difference is men will not understand jargon and keep going. Yeah. And invest or, you know, take whatever action. Women will not understand jargon. Like, what does that mean? I need to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Same with risk tolerance. Pretty important concept. Men don't know what their risk tolerance is, but in, in onboarding, they take an educated guess and continue on. Women are like, that seems important. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to buy a book. I'm going to try to. And then, of course, life gets in the way. That's the gender difference. You know, our joint friend, Rush Masajani, mm-hmm. talks about boys are taught to be brave. I'll, I don't quite know what my risk tolerance is. I'll keep going. Yeah. Girls are taught to be perfect. Oh, yeah. I need that seems important. And it seems like, oh, that's smart of us women to figure it out. Except it's not, as it turned out, because men just get in there and start accruing those returns. And for mm-hmm. us. You never know enough to invest. You never, never. Right. Yeah. If so, you leave with one thing, right today, you never oh. know enough to invest and leave it to. You have to do it, and you, you have, have to, to do, do it. it. Yeah, you have to do it. We're giving up too much wealth. We're giving up too much power. Um, you know, both individually and collectively, too yeah. much. Yeah, I agree. Wow. Well, I don't really know. Um, how else to end other than that? Really? So, you know, I mean, um, there is one question I ask everybody yeah. on on here, and that is, what is the worst advice you've ever received? Um, the worst advice that I've seen received was my ex-husband telling my brother not to invest in his 20s because he would make so much more money in his 30s and 40s that it just wasn't worth it in his 20s. You know, which means my ex-husband didn't understand a few things, <laughs> we won't go into it, but did not understand the power of compounding and the ability, you know, the benefit of starting early. And by the way, if you haven't started yet, no, no big deal. The past is the past, you know, starting today, good, is a good time to start. It also seems like your ex-husband didn't know what you did for a living. So, <laughs> well, there's a lot there. We can a whole other podcast for sure, for sure. Whether or not it's aired is another thing. And I think there's a drink as well. Oh my god, amazing! Well, you already went over um, how you find everybody here, but say it one more time: lvs.com, e l l e v e s t dot com. And it's Sally, S-A-L-L-I-E with uh-huh. a K-R-A-W check.com. Not as, not as bad as it sounds like it's going to be. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for your time here and everyone for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Justice. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? 
Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com.